actually start a series this month called Family Vibes, and we're going to be in it all month long. See, the church is the family. It can be a family for us. And family is a group of people that you're connected to, that you love, that you support. Family encourages us. It stretches us. It challenges us. We probably can think of that family member in our head right now, the one that pushes our buttons. We all have one. But see, the church is meant to be the family of God. And so over this month, we're going to be looking at how God intended for us to be the family of God by looking at the first church family in the Bible. So we're going to be in Acts 2 tonight. So I invite you to open up your Westover app, open up your Bible app. We're going to actually be spending the entire month in Acts 2 looking at, this, at the first church family. And while you open up the app, let me just give you a little context of what's actually happening right now in Acts 2. See, Jesus had just rose from the dead, and he spends about 40 days with his disciples and the believers, encouraging them, lifting them up, training them, and prepping them because he knows he's about to leave. And so the day comes that he's going to ascend into heaven, and he gives the followers and the believers the great commission. And he says, go into all the world and make disciples. And he says, I know you can't do it alone. So I'm going to send you a helper that's going to be here because I have to go away. And he says, go and wait for him. He's going to come. So all the believers go and they go into the upper room and they wait and they pray. And then the Holy Spirit falls. And in that moment, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in other tongues and they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then after that, they go out and then begin to spread the news of Jesus. And what I think that we need to note and what is important here is that if we're going to be the church, we first have to have a life-changing experience in relationship with God. See, we can't be in the church family if we're not a part of God's family. We can't be a church family if we're not first a part of God's family. If we're just a group of people that meet in a church and meet in a building, but we don't have a common purpose and we haven't experienced the love of God, then we're just a group of random people in the same building. There's nothing different about us. But we only become the church and the family of God that he intended us to be when we operate in the spirit and we don't operate in our personal preferences. So we pick up the story of the, the first church in the book of Acts in chapter 2. And so they've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they begin to go out and they begin to talk about Jesus and people get saved and the church grows. But the church grows because of a specific process in which they begin and they operate to become the family of God. And so we're going to look at those verses today. We're going to be in Acts 2, 42, and then we're also going to look at 46 and 47. And it starts and says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, these verses give us an outline on how we are to have a heart for the house. And that's what I want to share with you today is how do we have a heart for the house? How do we have a heart for our church family? And so today I want to share with you three ways we can have a heart for the house. The first is, is that we have to live devoted. We have to live devoted. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
What does it mean to be devoted? What does it mean? In today's culture, we struggle with the concept of devotion because our likes, our preferences, and our opinions are changing constantly. One day we have one opinion, and then the next day we hear somebody else's opinion, we read something else on social media, and we change our opinion. Or we hear somebody else on social media or on the news speaking to something that we think we have a firm opinion on, and then all of a sudden we hear their opinion, and we change ours, and we change our values, and we change our standards. But see, the word devoted in this verse, in its original meaning, is literally translated um, to be persistently obstinate. Persistently obstinate. Holding fast to something with obstinance, not changing your mind and not letting go. And we can probably all think of a toddler and the experience when they're obstinate, right? We see that little toddler and they are holding on to what they want. They want it so bad, they're not going to give up. And then you see this interaction between them and the parent. And you're kind of wondering who's actually going to win the battle between the two. Because, man, they're obstinate over what it is that they want. But, I mean, if we're really honest with ourselves, we're probably obstinate in one area in our life where we think we know best. And our way is the best way in which to accomplish it. It might be how to fold the laundry, how to load the dishwasher, maybe how to mop the floors, how to drive correctly, but we all have those areas where we think we know best, and we hold on to our way. And that's what the early church was challenged to do in these verses, to persistently hold on to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to communion, and to prayer. And they were saying, and what the outline was is that if we're going to be the church, these are the things that we can't let go of. These are the things that we absolutely have to hold on to. Because they didn't have a template. They were creating the template. They were the first church. And so they got together and said, how are we going to do this church thing? How are we going to live our life out without Jesus? What are the things that are important? These are the things that are important. This is what we have to hold on to. So my question is, do we value those aspects of the church? Do you value the preaching of God's word? Do you value fellowship? Do we remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross? And do we value prayer? We must live devoted in all of these areas every day. Because when people look at us, do they see the church? When they look at us, do they see our devotion to God? See, most people, they have a favorite sports team. And what I've learned is that loyalty in sports runs deep. It runs real deep. I mean, my husband has some specific sports teams that he is loyal to, and because he's loyal to them, I'm loyal to them because I'm such a good wife and do that for him. But what you really notice is when people have a favorite sports team, you can't talk bad about their team. Oh, no, that's just, that's sacrilegious. You, they start talking, and the minute you start talking about their team, they're quick to come back and defend their team and talk about their stats talk about maybe the wins that their team has had or a specific player and the strengths of that player. But they are quick to come to their defense. And the question I have for us is when we're in the workplace and someone uses God's name as a curse word, do we defend him? Do we stand up and speak values in the workplace? Are we quick to be devoted to the things of the church? Do we, are we quick to live devoted out what is important in our life? See, inward devotion 
predicts outward motion. Inward devotion in our heart for God and the things of God predict the outward motion that we're going to live in our life every single day. How we move through life is directly determined by what our inward heart devotion is. So here's the question. What gets the best of your time, your energy, your focus, and your finances? Is it God? Is it your job? Is it family? Is it social media where you've got to be the influencer and you have to maintain all your streaks and everything to keep your name out there? What gets the best of you? Because your devotion determines where your focus is. And we need to live devoted as a church family. The second thing we can do to have a heart for the house is to gather regularly. Gather regularly. It says in verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. See, the verse says that they continued to meet together. They were together. Not only did they live out what it meant to be the church, but they decided they needed to meet together regularly. And this verse, and this word continued in this verse is the same word as devotion in the first verse. It means to be persistently obstinate. So they said, we're going to be about the church and we're not going to let it go. All of these things are important, but meeting together is just as important. Being together as a community is just as important. And you need both. You can't have one without the other. Because they learned early on that we're better together. We're better together. We can't have a heart for the house of God if we're not in the house of God. Let me put it to you this way. You can't have a heart for a relationship if you choose not to be in that relationship. We can't grow apart and grow together. It's impossible. We have to have a heart for the house. But see, we live in a culture that tells us and allows us to get everything online and on demand. We do our grocery shopping online, and they deliver it to our doors. We go on our phone, we look on an app, we get an Uber, we get a Lyft, and it takes us wherever we want to go. But we've taken that idea and that concept into our spiritual life. And now we get our worship and we get our preaching online. And there's nothing wrong with watching your favorite preacher online. There's nothing wrong with that. But that preacher is not your pastor, and he can't care for you and take care of you when life shows up. That's what the church family is about. And see, and Satan wants to convince us that we can have a full life of God and we can have a full relationship with God and abandon gathering together. And we've bought into that lie that it's okay and we can have a relationship with God and we can grow on our own but we've bought into the lie of isolation. And so then we're, all of a sudden we look up and we don't understand why we're alone, why we're isolated, why we feel so depleted and depressed. But it's because we have allowed ourselves to believe that we don't need the gathering together. We don't need to regularly be in community with people. Listen to what Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together or some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. See, you can worship in the car by yourself, or you can worship in the house of God. There's something there is something very important about personal worship. There's absolutely something important about personal worship. But there is something powerful about corporate worship. 
Because when we gather in the house of God together and we become together as a church family to worship God, things happen. Lives are changed. Miracles happen. God shows up. Your faith is risen and something happens in that moment that can't happen alone. We are better together. What hurts you hurts me. What encourages you encourages me. I'm always better and stronger when I come into this house and I worship with my family. It reminds me I'm not alone. Someone's got my back. Someone's praying for me. And sometimes it can seem like a long time from Sunday when you're in the middle of the week and life shows up unexpectedly. And that's where a life group becomes your lifeline and connection to the church. Because a life group is when you truly experience the family of God and connection to the church. It's when they're able to know your story. They know your name. They know your family. They celebrate with you. They come alongside you and they lift you up. My life group is my lifeline sometimes. We're there for each other. When somebody's concerned about a job situation, we come alongside and we pray and encourage each other. Or those moments when somebody's concerned about maybe a sick family member, we come alongside and we pray and we're there for each other. We check in on each other, we joke with each other, but we also challenge each other because we know we're better together and we're not alone. And if the church doesn't feel like a family to you yet, I want to encourage you to get connected into a life group. Gather regularly regularly attend church and regularly connect to a life group what we can't do alone we can overcome together that thing you've been struggling with on your own that thing you can't seem to get over that it continues to be a struggle you continue to trip over and you're saying god i don't understand why this is still an issue i've prayed and i've prayed and i've prayed but nothing has changed it's because you're trying to do it alone And it's something that we're going to overcome together as the church family because we're never meant to do life alone. We're never meant to walk this journey alone. We need to gather together. The third way we can have a heart for the house is to include others. Include others. It says in verse 47, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, what I love about the story of Acts is that you'll see consistently time and time again in this book, is that when God's people step out in obedience to God and step out in faith, things change. And you'll see this this phrase show up and it says, and the Lord added to their number. Because when we live a life that's devoted and we gather regularly, the outcome is that people get saved. Life change occurs. When our life looks different than culture, And when we're connected to community, we're going to look different, and it changes us. And then people are going to begin to ask, what's different about you? And your coworker is going to ask, how can you have joy in the workplace when it's such a negative work environment? Or your friend's going to say, how is it that your family is joyful and your family is uplifting and encouraging? And then it gives us the opportunity to share about what God did in our life and how he changed us and the love of God and we're able to share it to somebody who's hurting. Now, ladies, we love to shop. We're not going to deny it. We love to shop. And anytime you get a new outfit, maybe you get a shirt, 
a top you've been looking for. You get a pair of shoes. You get some earrings. You get an accessory. You can't wait for the moment that you can wear it. So maybe you're going to get a new pair of shoes, and you got that pair of shoes. And then you're thinking about when you're going to wear it, because you'll never wear that new thing on a day that nobody sees you. I mean, that's just a waste. It's just wrong. You need to wear them when somebody's going to see you. So you plan that moment out, and you got your new shoes, and you plan the entire outfit strategically that your shoes are the focal point because everybody needs to know about your shoes and notice them. And everything's put together, and you walk out the door, and you're ready to go, and you go to work, and you're just waiting for that moment when somebody says, I love your shoes. And then you're like, girl, girl, this is where I got them. And then we proceed to tell the story of our shoes and how where we got them and how we try to chase them down. And we've been looking at three or four different places. It's been a month-long hunt, but we found the shoes and how many outfits these shoes are going to help us out with. And then maybe we'll talk about how we got them on sale or clearance, or we'll talk about how they were so expensive we had to like fast for a week and didn't eat just to pay for them. But it was worth it because of all of the opportunities we're going to have for these shoes. And we're so excited to talk about our shoes. See, we have the best story and we have the best news and we're not supposed to keep it inside. Jesus changed our life and he died on a cross. So don't keep it inside. Include others. Include others. Tell your story. So how do we include others? We can become a church that includes and serves each other. There are people that walk into church broken, beat down, and hurt. And your smile, your warmth is what is going to uplift them. We want Westover to be the friendliest place in San Antonio. And as a church staff, we have been burdened and have wanted for months to increase the connection here at Westover. In our leadership, we have a heart and a burden for those that are unconnected and have been on the fringe for quite some time. Where you've sat in the back and you slip in at the end of service, at the, in the service, you slip out before service is done, nobody knows your name, nobody knows your story, and you just seem to be a face in the crowd. And we don't want you to be that. We don't want anyone to be that. We want you to feel like you're part of the Westover family. And we want you to connect. Since Pastor Mark's transition a few months ago, we have been working to make sure that we have all of areas um, here at the church staffed. And Pastor Brent, for over a year, has led our connections team and our connection initiative here at Westover. But he's recently made a transition and is now um, in a different role supporting our staff. And he did a great job with our connections team and is going to do a great job in this new role. But as a result, I've been given the opportunity to lead our connections team and our connections initiative here at Westover. And we want Westover to feel like home. And so I want to challenge us as a church. We can all do something. We can all do something. We create the culture and the atmosphere at Westover. Westover is friendly and warm if we are friendly and warm. There's a hospitality rule in the service industry. It's called the 10-5 rule, and most corporations will train this, and most companies are very familiar with this. You might be aware of it. 
The 10-5 rule says that when you're within 10 feet of someone, that it is customary and it's, uh, and it's expected in the service industry that you acknowledge that person, you give them eye contact, and you give them some sort of greeting and say hello. But that when you get within five feet of that person, not only do you make eye contact, not only do you acknowledge them, but you extend your arm for a greeting. At Westover, we hug. You tell them, thank you for being here. And see, that's a standard in the industry. That's a standard across all of them. Disney is known for this. They train all of their employees this way because they want to have the, the best guest experience possible. And I just believe that if it's good enough for Disney and it's good enough for Mickey Mouse and Simba and Anna and Elsa and Dumbo, it's that Jesus deserves even better from us. Jesus deserves even better from us because he went to the cross and he died for him. And it's our job to make sure they experience the love of God. And so we need to increase our connection here. Everyone can do something. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be launching several new teams and initiatives with our connections team. And we want and we need you. If you can smile, if you can hold a door, if you can drive a golf cart, if you can just love on people, there is a place for you. And there's a place for you to include others. We want to start a new welcoming team in the auditorium that before service, we see it every week. People come in, they find their seat, and they immediately turn their phone on and they begin to get on social media and do things on their phone. And there's no interaction with anybody. And we want to increase the connection and we want to increase the friendliness. And so we are wanting to start a welcoming team for some people that will come early, just a few minutes early. And in your section, because let's be honest, we all have a section. You have a row, you have a seat, I see it. Same spot every week. That you would just come in early and you would just greet the people in your section and walk around and say, we're so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming. Hope you had a great week. Can't wait for what's about to start. Praying for you, just so glad to see you and your family and love on them in that moment. See, Westover needs you from our high school students to our seniors. Everybody can do something. And I truly believe that when we follow the model in Acts 2 and we live devoted, we gather regularly, and we include others, that God is going to show up and God is going to bless. And we're going to see Acts 2.47 become the reality here at Westover, where it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Because we believe that a bigger heaven is a better heaven. And God still has people he wants to reach you don't know the story that's walking in the door. You don't know the story of the person sitting next to you and the pain that they're in. Or maybe there was an issue at work before they walked in the door or their family is falling apart. Or maybe that person, their marriage is on the brink of divorce and they walked in desperate. And your connection and your love and your friendliness is what makes the difference in their life. Because they're walking and saying, God, do you have anything? Is there anything you can do in my life? And what we can do to usher them into the presence of God is worth it. Your unsaved family member, your coworker, 
that friend you've been praying for, they're worth it. They're worth it. And we want to do everything we can to connect them to the church family. So as I close, I just want to invite you to stand. And I want to challenge all of us to commit to have a heart for this house. If this is your church family, if this is home for you, if Westover is your church home, then I want to challenge you to connect, to include others. Take a next step. Join in. Join a life group. Find a place to serve. And I want to help you find a place to connect. That's my heart. And they're going to put my email up on the screen. And I'm here for you. If you need a place to connect, email me. We will find you a place to connect. We will find a place for you because we need each and every one of you. Or after service, I'll be available in the altar. I'd love to talk to you, hear your story, connect with you. But I believe that God is going to be tugging on some hearts. As I was praying for this moment this week, God clearly spoke to me that there's some people in this room that up to this point you come to church, but that's all you do. You come in and you come out. And you've heard our pastor speak before or challenge you to take a next step, to get involved, to serve. And up to this point, you've always said, he's talking to the other person. He's not talking to me. That's not for me. He's talking to the person next to me. And I believe in this service that God is whispering to your heart and he's pricking your heart and he's saying, this is your moment. This is your time. This is your moment to take a next step. I'm talking to you. And if that's you, I want to challenge you. Step out in obedience. Obey the Lord's prompting. Obey the Spirit. Step out. Be a part of this church family. And I want to include all of us that we would challenge ourselves to become the family of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you for every single person here, God, because we are a family and we're here for each other and we want to come beside each other, Lord. And I pray that today that you would begin to challenge each one of us to take a next step to begin to live a life that's devoted, to connect with a group and regularly meet together, and to include others. And if you're speaking to people today, Lord, about taking a next step in serving, I pray that they would obey you, they would step out in faith, and that you would honor their commitment and you would honor their obedience to you. Lord, make us a family that is so strong together that nothing can break the bonds of what you want to do. And as a result, Lord, that you're going, to be, you're going to begin to grow this church and that we're going to be able to see lives changed and people come to see and know who you are. Thank you for your people. We thank you for this time. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you so much for being with us today. Go in the love of the Lord. You're dismissed.